Hello team. Hello, hello. It's been a hot minute. Um, we're back. This week, it doesn't sound very sexy, does it? Say, we're going to talk about sugar. Um, I guess there's a few things to talk about. The world of sugar, a little bit about carbohydrates, um, things that maybe we've heard from slimming clubs and the whole you know, story around sugar addiction and the likes of that. I think this first came to me because somebody had asked about fruit. Um, an ex-slimming club member had asked me about fruit um, and that they've said as soon as you blend fruit is that it becomes a sin. And I guess this is Slimming World, isn't it? Weight Watchers is probably the same. So you can only eat fruit whole as soon as you blend it it becomes a sin and someone asked me if this is because of the difference it makes to the sugar in fruit so my understanding is the reason that they do this is because they would rather you eat the fruit whole obviously because of its volume if you blend it there is a potential to overconsume, which just makes me laugh because come on should we really be worrying about overconsuming fruit is that the worst thing? I mean, you can eat all of the pasta and the white potato you want. Have at it. But fruit, mm, 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 which is also really funny because potato, pasta, fruit, they are all the same thing when they end up broken down in the body. So again, like, where is this logic? I'm not trying to kind of argue a case against Slimmer World here. I'm just maybe unpicking some fads or some myths that you might still have instilled in you because I do have clients that come to me still doing things from a slimming world perspective so if you're new here let me introduce you to the term calories in versus calories out energy in versus energy out that's what we're about here that's what we base most of our nutrition information around so I guess going back to this like blended sugar fruit scenario in terms of changing sugars when blended, we, we need to kind of pick apart a little bit more about sugars, right? Not all sugars are made equal, and we generally agree that in the nutrition world, okay? But what we're trying to define is the different types of sugars, okay? There are different types that we should maybe eat less of and maybe eat more of. So think about free sugars as added sugars, and these are typically the kind of sugars that we want to try and eat less of. Um, free sugars are types of sugars that are no longer found within the cell walls of the plant that they came from and these are found in things like table sugar, fizzy drinks, cakes, sweets, cereals, that kind of thing. These have what we call added sugar or free sugars. We call them added sugar and um, you'll see them on labels and stuff talked about as added sugar but this is free sugars right? Now if we took every single sugar from every single different kind of source and put it under a microscope, it is true that they have exactly the same chemical structure, right? Whether they came from a potato, hello Slim and World, or they came from sugar, um, sugar, sweets. So potato, chocolate, sweets, fruit, whatever, they will be broken down into the same chemical structure and the body will perceive them the same way as fuel because that's what um, glucose is to the body. When carbohydrates are broken down, broken down into glucose, stored as glycogen, the body uses that as fuel. What that doesn't take into account is that, yes, if we blend fruit, then they are no longer contained in the cell wall, okay? They become free sugars. However, 
we don't just get free sugars from fruit. We get a range of nutrients. Whereas if we get these sugars from chocolate, we don't get many nutrients. This is why we don't need to demonize sugar by itself. We need to look at it in its context. If you have what someone might say is a high sugar intake, okay, but where are those sugars coming from? Are we getting a lot of nutrients around that? And that's kind of when people ask me, you know, how much sugar is too much sugar? Too much sugar is when you're probably getting it from a lot of nutrient lacking foods. Yeah, you're eating a lot of things with added sugar in that don't have added nutrients. Things like um, fizzy drinks and sweets um, and cereals rather than fruit and vegetables and potatoes. Um, so I guess what Slimming Clubs have done is they've claimed that because of these fruits, uh, the sugar in fruits technically becomes a free sugar when it's blended that you're not supposed to eat it and that this is then bad. Um, but if we are blending fruit, we are keeping all those of the nutrients in the juice or the smoothie or whatever we're blending. Um, especially things like fibre, which we know are really good for our gut health. So do we need to worry about blending fruit? No, we absolutely do not. And this kind of brings me on to, you know, sugars and carbohydrates in general. Because carbohydrates love to get demonised. We love to demonise carbohydrates, don't we? Don't eat carbs, they'll cause you to gain fat. Um, Which I kind of spoke about in detail on the Food and You course, which I'm currently running at the minute. So if you don't know what that is, it's a six-week course. It is six webinars, which my clients have access to anyway, um, but they obviously get coached alongside it. This is that same group of webinars without coaching. So we have a private Facebook group and um, everybody gets different resources, but it's six webinars and we go through different things like this to give everybody a good, solid, foundational nutrition knowledge. Um, we spoke about carbohydrates um, and so carbohydrates make up macronutrients, uh, which make up nutrition, yeah? Macronutrients needed in large amounts, micronutrients needed in little amounts, so your vitamins and minerals. So we have generally three macronutrients we are bothered about, protein, fat, carbohydrates, alcohol is another one, but we're just going to stick with those. Fat and carbohydrates are fuel sources. Um, protein is kind of like a building block. So Everybody loves to demonise carbohydrates. Um, and I think this is because of something called the insulin hypothesis. And the insulin hypothesis says that carbohydrates raise insulin, a hormone in the body, when they're eaten, which they do. And that raising insulin shuts off burning of fat, which then causes fat gain. So if we have too many carbohydrates, we have too much insulin circulating, we then gain weight. However... This does not stand up in research and there's been lots and lots of studies that I've looked at. If we take two diets and we have, you know, low carbohydrate and low insulin and we have a high carbohydrate and high insulin, if everything else is matched, so protein and calories, if they're exactly the same, is there a difference? And there isn't a difference. So therefore, it's not the carbohydrates that are causing us to gain body fat. It is the number of calories. And this is why macro splits are dead. This is why I don't give my clients carbohydrate or fat targets. We have calorie targets, maybe, if that's what we're working towards. Um, and we have protein targets, but we don't have carbohydrate targets. Because the amount of carbohydrate you need, because it's a fuel source, is going to vary based on how active you are. And also your personal preference. You know, Some people do like to eat a higher fat diet. Some people like to eat a higher carb diet. And I guess it's up to you guys to to play around and figure out what feels best for you, 
what makes you feel less hungry what fuels your performance better um you know a lot of people also kick back with carbs and say well they're not essential to survival well no they're not we know that in low carbohydrate situations the body can synthesize glucose from other things like fat and protein it's not a very efficient way of doing it but it can however carbohydrate is the body's preferred fuel source the body will use that first before anything else if it's available you know saying something is not essential to survival doesn't mean that it's not beneficial to survival so please know the difference in that because that is an argument that people will give if they are particularly of the low carb crowd um so yeah we can kind of park that that we know that carbohydrate alone is not the defining factor of you gaining body fat or losing body fat it is your overall energy intake another thing that we need to think of is without thinking about things as good or bad we don't want that kind of dichotomous thinking because that can be quite harmful to your relationship with food what we want to think about is the quality like I've said with the sugar the quality of the food that your sugar is coming in the quality of the carbohydrates that you're taking in so you know having more higher quality carbohydrates like fruit and veg and beans and legumes and pulses things that have lots of nutrients in and have fiber in that's going to kind of tell you whether that's a high quality carb things that we want to have less of are things like your refined carbohydrates so white bread sweets chocolate crisps cereals those kind of things, because not because they're bad, not because they're bad for your health, but because they carry less nutrients. And if we are getting in less nutrients overall, that then negatively impacts our health. So it's not this one or two, you know, this one food on its own. If you eat one chocolate bar, you're not unhealthy. If all you eat is chocolate bars, you're unhealthy. But on the flip side, if all you eat is bananas, you're also unhealthy because you're going to lack in other nutrients. And this is why this word balance gets banded around so much, because it's so important to take a balanced approach um, and varied, a varied approach to what you eat. Um, So yeah, we don't need to demonize things. We just need to think of it in context of nutrients. What are we getting in? They all have their place. Hopefully that clears some things up for you. Another thing I wanted to touch on was this whole sugar addiction thing. I get a lot of people come to me and say, you know, I'm just, I think I'm addicted to sugar. Um, real, real bad sweet tooth. Once I start, can't stop. Okay. It's quite a controversial topic because if you are somebody that feels strongly they have a sugar addiction, you don't want to be told that you don't. Because then what is the answer? What, what help can you get? If you feel like you are addicted to sugar and someone says that is not a thing that does not exist, that leaves you at a bit of a loss. Um, so it is, it is a very controversial topic. However, sugar addiction, you know, is this idea that food can become addictive, a bit like drugs. If you find yourself regularly craving sweets or, you know, binging on carbs, um, it is suggested that, you know, a little bit of your sweet tooth has then potentially formed into a full blown addiction, just like you would have to maybe nicotine or caffeine. Okay. So firstly, let's be clear on what addictive is defined as defined as addiction is pretty complex right but it combines a number of social and behavioral patterns and compulsions so think of pathological gamblers they literally cannot not gamble I remember when I worked in William Hill and we had like a wall of faces of people that had had to bar themselves from coming in because if they didn't they did not have the power to stop themselves so we had to literally tell them as they came in nope nope you're barred get out um, unfortunately, you can't go into Tesco and go, I'm addicted to mince pies. Please don't let me in Tesco anymore. 
I mean, I wonder if you could. Not that I would. I love mince pies. Um, so in terms of substance addiction, and this is what we always kind of use in reference for sugar addiction or food addiction, the term addiction is used to describe a direct result of a chemical acting on the brain, which makes us addicted to something. Okay, so regularly consuming it will lead to dependency on this thing and a loss of control around this particular thing or substance. Yeah, so if we think about sugar addiction, do you feel like you have a dependency on it? Do you have a loss of control? Okay, and then also repeated overuse despite negative consequences. Um, this is another part of addiction, yeah? You repeatedly <laughs> overeat sugar despite the fact that you might lose your job or you might lose your children, okay? I am dramatising this for the for the um, sake of this podcast. Then there's tolerance. Do you have a sugar tolerance? Do you need three donuts to get the same hit as one donut? And then if there's no donuts, withdrawal and cravings, shaking, sweating, very ill, rocking back and forth, okay? I'm sure you can start to build a picture of does sugar addiction really, really exist, okay? For sugar to be addictive, it needs to be biologically rewarding in that it needs to light up the same reward centers of the brain that stimulate dopamine, right? That's the drug that makes the drug, the hormone that makes us feel pleasure, just like drugs and alcohol do. They do that. That's exactly what happens. Sugar does that, okay? I'm not saying it doesn't. It does. So, it does stimulate dopamine, right? So, this is why we see sugar is good and this is why we do tend to seek it out more. And sugar addiction theorists say that, you know, after repeated exposure, our dopamine receptors kind of downregulate. They dumb themselves down. So then we develop a tolerance and we need more of the same thing to get the same hit of pleasure. Okay, this is usually what leads to overconsumption and then withdrawal when we stop. However, the majority of research on sugar addiction is done on animals, which is a huge evidence-based red flag. Yeah, we are not animals, so we can't compare research for animals and go, oh, well, that will happen in humans because, well, I'm not a rat. Are you a rat? Are you a lab rat? Are you an ape? I mean, we're quite close to apes. Um, so these studies on animals have fed the above theory that, you know, sugar addiction is real. However, human studies have failed to prove this theory. Overall, the evidence supports sugar addiction is pretty weak, but it does seem to show some addiction-like behaviours, right? So some of the things I've said are not completely outlandish, right? We do seek it out. You know, we do tend to overconsume it once we have it. It does light up our reward centres, right? But it's worth remembering that just because something lights up your reward centres doesn't mean it is bad. Stroking puppies lights up your reward centres doesn't mean that we don't stroke puppies. We always stroke the puppies, okay? And also, food is supposed to be rewarding. That is how our brain is designed. Yeah, if food wasn't rewarding, we wouldn't go back for it. If we don't eat food, we die. So... You know, that is how our brain is wired up to keep us going back for more because the more we eat, the longer we stay alive, right? What is difficult is it's really hard to unpick the chemical and the emotional responses to sugar in the research, right? Because there is that difference there, yeah? A chemical response and an emotional response. You know, some of the symptoms of sugar addiction really mimic those of disordered eating or, you know, full-blown eating disorders like binge eating. So, I guess the bottom line is like you may feel like you have or you may show addiction like behaviors but it is probably more likely emotional than it is you know chemical or biological or physiological. I guess if you're finding it really really 
hard mentally, it's really negatively impacting your life, then probably seek this, uh, seek out, <laughs> key words out, sky. probably seek out some help, yeah, and that's not from a nutritionist, that might be from an eating disorder specialist or um, a dietitian or a therapist, because it could be an eating disorder that you've got and not sugar addiction, um, if you're really unsure, reach out to me and I'll point you in the right direction, Um. And I guess that's kind of all I had to say around that. I feel like I've been talking about carbs a lot lately, and especially in terms of performance, because I've said there's not like, there is no magical amount. Yeah, it is very dependent. You could have anything from, you know, 20% of your diet up to like 80% of your diet come from carbohydrates. And that would probably be quite a healthful diet. That might be okay. You might really work well with that. Um... I personally would say if you are someone that is active and is interested in performance, then you definitely want to be paying attention to your carbohydrate intake overall, you know, maybe about 50% of what you eat coming from carbohydrates and trying to get most of that to come from the higher quality carbohydrates and making sure you are having some before you train or around your training. And if you are somebody that trains twice a day, making sure you definitely, definitely have some carbohydrates in between your sessions. Um, We want to make sure that we have that stored glycogen, which is carbohydrate broken down, which then fuels our exercise. Um, So yeah, I won't get into the nitty gritty of the numbers. If you want to know, you know, rough numbers or how much, you can kind of base some calculations off your body weight if you're really, really down into your performance. But definitely making sure that you are fueling properly. Like I said, yes, yes, we can survive without carbohydrates. But do we want to? That's a question to ask yourself. Do you want to? Do you want to survive or do you want to thrive? Um. So, yeah, let's not demonize things. Let's not demonize sugar. Let's not demonize carbohydrates. Let's keep blending our fruit and not being scared that Karen's going to tell us off when we get to Slimming World. Hopefully none of you listening are still at Slimming World. Um, and that's that's it for this week. I, I have spoken about this a lot. You may have even read my recent email. Um, but I just wanted to put it into, you know, podcast form so it can go into your ears and then my voice can live in your brain, which I love. I love when people go, yeah, sometimes I hear your voice in my head. That's a bit creepy, but it's all good. That means that I am instilling nutrition wisdom into you. As always, if you have any questions, you can either email me. My email, I've got a new fancy email now, is quite simply sky, S-K-Y, at skyelizabethcoaching.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram, which is at sky, full stop, Elizabeth, full stop coaching. Um, And yeah, hopefully that helps you a little bit, makes a little bit more sense of some of the nutri bollocks that's out there. I will speak to you all next week when we are talking about a bit of a random mix of things next week. We're going to talk about fitness trackers. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. I haven't thought about what else, but we'll get there. Yeah, all in good time. Hope you're having a good week and I will catch you all soon.